Yo, hello everybody, and welcome back to the newest episode of The Pixelist. I'm Will, that's Blake, and uh, we like to talk about all things nerdy, and today that means a little critical role. Episode 13, 14. 14, 14. yeah. 14, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I was trying to think if there's any more to say in this intro, but I don't really think so, unless you have anything. Uh, yeah, I got something to say. Hit him with uh, it. The Witcher video, it's coming. <laughs> We just always got to say that now. <laughs> it's going to be uh, our new thing. I don't think there's an episode this Thursday. We don't think there is. There's um, not. I actually just saw that they tweeted about okay. it. Great. Perfect. So we are going to put out our favorite fan theory video. It'll be coming this weekend. We're also going to be, um, I think, putting out our final Vox Machina um, reaction video. And shout out to all those who were able to make it, the watch party. That uh, was really fun. So yeah, yeah, I'm sad. We might have to think of like other potential stuff to do that for because it was fun. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, uh, no other announcements from me. So already, yeah. Well, I guess let's just dive right into this then. <laughs> this um, is the shortest intro ever. Wow, look at us. Here we go. We watch uh, every oh. episode. They're like, they're like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have one more thing, so I'm ruining it now. Okay. Um, but for those of you that enjoy those Easter egg videos, they I haven't put them out yet for episodes 10, 11, and 12 of Vox Machina, but getting started on those today. So maybe episode 10 out today and then the 11 and 12 soon, hopefully. Yeah, um, uh, those are really fun, by the way. I'm really looking forward to um, the latest one. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's, they're fun to put together. It's been fun to kind of dive back into the old campaign to like find the comparison yeah. videos and stuff. Um, but anyway, I digress. We're, uh, we're here to talk about campaign three today. So um, if you're new to us, we like to recap each episode to help you know everybody stay up to date. Um, so we're going to do that now. And we also cut that out and host that separately on YouTube for those of you that just you know are trying to get the recap so you can uh, watch live. Uh, so if you're watching that video, hello. Um, if you're interested in hearing Blake's and I's theory crafting thoughts, you know, reviews of the episode, that is in our longer podcast yeah. form, uh, which we our, will link to as well. Our totally biased reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was like, we loved it. <laughs> what else is new? Maybe, yeah, you, you know, that out. you know, there, there, if there ever comes a day where we're like, we hate it, you know, that's going to be a big deal. So, you know, that's a bad episode. Right. <laughs> so, um, having said that, let's jump into what happened on this week's episode, episode 14 of campaign three of critical role. And this episode opens up with the sort of outro of the previous episode where Ashton and General Ratanish of the Paragon's Call are heading out to have their slap fight, um, their duel, if you will. <laughs> and this fight, I actually felt pretty good for Ashton at first because he was rolling quite well. Yeah. Um, he also raged, and we got some more insight about his... He does have four different kinds of rages. Uh, he had to roll a d4. He didn't get the right rage. He said, oh, that's going to be useless, uh, but didn't really specify what that was. Um, but the two of them are just doing unarmed strikes against each other. We also find out that General Matanish is also a barbarian. Or excuse me, uh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, at, yeah, least, yeah. at least he can rage. Right, you know, whatever yeah. Whatever that so means. He, he rages, and it seems that his rage is like a fire-based rage. Uh, which, by the way, I'm really liking this style of, um, you know, every rage having its own certain kind of flavor to it. Yeah. Um, and he's just walloping on Ashton. Uh, they're both rolling really well. In fact, um, Ashton rolls a natural 20. Uh, Ratanish rolls a natural 20. Neither one of them is really missing the other person. But about um, probably three or four rounds into it, Ashton's getting pretty spent, and um, yeah. I think Matt has a moment where Ratanish is just, I think he says he's still looking full of vigor or like really just looks <laughs> fine, which yeah. Matt, if you haven't watched a lot of D&D, &D, he usually gives kind of little clues as to how beat up the enemy is. And he's basically like, yeah, he looks good. And that's when Ashton's like, oh man, oh no, <laughs> like this is not good. Um, they fight a little bit more. Ratanish actually starts getting more and more aggressive with his attacks. 
And there's one turn in particular where he sort of knocks Ashton to the ground and then takes his head and like drags it across, I think the ground or the concrete or something. Um, just this very visceral turn. And it's actually enough to uh, knock Ashton out. The scary part is, remember, when you're knocked out, you have to do your your death-saving rolls. Right. And if you take, uh, if you roll a natural one, you get two um, death fails. And if you get three, you're dead permanently. So what happens is um, Ratanish takes Ashton's body and throws it over, like, to his guards and... Uh, Ashton rolls a natural one and there's sort of like this hush that immediately like, oh no. So he has two death rolls and fortunately, um, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was FGG or someone was like, okay, I just pushed through the crowd and I, I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm here to help them. Uh, <laughs> and thankfully Matt even had like the Paragon's call bodyguard dudes being like, uh, yeah, you've kind of beat him up. Like, let's make sure he's okay. Um, which Ashton was like, I do not want to spend my weekend creating a new character. Like, not again. <laughs> yeah. So, um, cause apparently he died in the previous uh, campaign. So news to me, but Maybe. anyway, <clears throat> spoiler for you there. Uh, but anyway, um, once the fight's kind of subsiding, they kind of go back to their remembering their original mission, which was, we're supposed to be finding out who's part of the, uh, Shunde quorum. And so right. what ends up happening is um, uh, Orem's kind of, you know, with his high perceptions kind of waddling around, trying to kind of catch like extra gossip. Um, but he he rolls poorly. And so he's not really able to parse like what certain comments mean, unfortunately. Like he's kind of out of his depth. Um, Ladna actually notices a conversation happening um, sort of like after this this duels happen there's a bit of like an admiration for the paragon's call um most because ratanish is like this is the kind of this is what you can expect from us in your town like if you want to be protected and so gavis who's sort of like the remember he's the speaker of the um shunday quorum the party lot in particular notices this woman who's sort of talking to him and they're sort of pointing and motioning at ratanish and she starts to wonder like could this be one of the members of the shunday quorum and so this person is, um, oh man, uh, what is her name? I remember her last name was like Shoshanish or something, and everyone, <laughs> everyone um, made fun of it. Um, let's see. Let's see. I should have had her na- name in front of me. Is this the lady where she claims to be Dorolo? De- yeah, yeah. Well, we'll come back to the name. I can't remember her name yet. It, she's only in it for just a brief moment, but her last name is something like Shoshanish or something because everyone <laughs> laughed about it. Um, but she introduces herself as Lorelai Dorolo and then immediately is like to everyone else, she's like, guys, it's, I'm just joking. Like, it's, I'm making this up because um, everyone at the table was like, <gasps> what? There's another Dorolo? Like, wait, what, what is this? Is this like a big reveal? Um, rolls very poorly on her deception check as is the case in this whole ball uh, thing. And uh, Shoshanish is like, hmm, I've never heard of Lorelai, but the, you know, the Dorolo, sure, that's interesting. Um, And Lana actually directly asks, like, or it says, you know, yeah, and you're part of the Shande Quorum, right? And uh, the woman's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Conversation doesn't really go anywhere. And she sort of is like, just kind of blows her off and is like, all right, see you later. Uh, Speaking of gossip, though, Fern is also adding to the gossip by telling people, um, and Ashton tries this too, uh, by saying, because they're both barbarians, um, claiming that Ratanish is Ashton's dad. And Fern is even like, (laughs) uh, Fern is even like, no, no, really, he is his dad. But as is the case, rolls really poorly. And um, the... In the people who are like watching this are like they look nothing alike <laughs> what do you mean they're related so it doesn't go anywhere um chetney finds dorian and says hey your brother was in the bathroom and here's like what's been happening i think he might be in trouble um and so and interestingly enough uh, a lot of the parties kind of end on this conversation and imogen basically makes fern promise that she won't go check on it by herself and Fern in typical chaotic neutral is like, I, I promise, <laughs> but it's totally going to. Yeah. 
So FCG and Dorian are both like, oh, we better go with you. And Ashton, who um, I think, frankly, Talison was a bit rattled of his death saves. Yeah. For the rest of the the rest of the episode, he's very passive. Um, it's kind of like you guys go ahead. Um, Ashton actually sits down with General Rotanish at a dinner table, and they kind of have sort of like this mutual admiration of, hey, yeah, that was really nice. And um, Ashton tries to lie about what his name is rolls poorly again and uh Ratanish isn't really buying into it but he does have this respect for his anonymity and just sort of like his it's like a respect of his craft of right. like hey you you take this kind of stuff seriously like you don't reveal who you're working for like i kind of admire that and even actually offers him a job if he ever wants it so he does have one small detail um basically Ratanish confesses that he knows that Ashton and whoever Ashton's with was partly responsible for the destruction of the moon tower because he even has a line like pointing to the mask where he says well my advice is if you basically destroy city property um, I wouldn't show up like at one of the most high profile events <laughs> with like the most obvious like giveaway as yeah. to you being involved uh, which is funny considering Ashton, how many times he says, you know, we're so bad at criming. Like, <laughs> <laughs> come on, guys. Um, moving things along, uh, Orem does spot two characters who are entering the ball um, who Matt refers to as green cloaks because of the green cloaks that they wear. And it's revealed that these are sort of like detectives of Marquette, um, that they're sort of like, famously or maybe even infamously known across Marquette as being like the high profile detectives. Um, all that to say, uh, Dorian Fern and I think Orem um, decide to go back and try to track down uh, Dorian's brother. The guards are like, sorry, you can't come back to this back room. And Dorian and Fern are like, we have to pee. <laughs> and not a very good role again. And so the guards are like, we're going to escort you. Um, I think Either Laudna's there too, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, she is. Because when they actually go to the bathroom, Laudna does, I think, minor, minor illusion and has like the sound of like a woman's voice in mm -hmm. the distance, which causes the guards then to rush out, run to the room that we had seen the Shade Creepers and Emoth in. And then the party quickly follows after and can hear what sounds like guards dying on the inside. <laughs> Uh, they walk into the room and in very a horrific scene, Lady Emoth is sort of like, you know, where are you guys going? She's stuck to the ceiling like a spider, Ew. drops down in the doorway, blocking them from leaving. And that's where we go to break. So you want to take it from there? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just so very grudge and creepy with how yes. Matt described oh, her. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so after the break, we basically pick up, um, with this encounter starting, um, but the rest of the group, cause they're like, the party is split right now. Right. But, uh, the rest of the group is kind of noticing that the other half of the group is gone. And, uh, I think Imogen realizes that they're not in range of her, um, telepathic communication. So they're like, uh, let's go, like, let's go make sure they're okay. And so they start heading toward the rooms as well but meanwhile matt has the ones that are there roll initiative and it's a it's a pretty long combat um at least in in real time not necessarily in game time um but a few things happen so first of all chetney is able to grab his chisel that he stored within fcg <laughs> <laughs> so he's got his weapon you know he like immediately draws it across his chest or his palm and what, wasn't there like something where like fcg is like going like uh, uh, and that's <laughs> yeah. like that's like, like you, you don't, don't have to you don't have to make the sound <laughs> you can just <laughs> yeah it was great uh, and so combat begins you know we've got uh lady emoth and all these shade creepers and the two guards that they had sent in there before them they're on the ground either unconscious or dead already and um you know fcg casts calm emotions on some of the shade creepers to try to keep them docile fern summons mister to the fight and um when mister gets summoned he actually does like this aoe fire damage Right. And Fern does it in range of the two guards that are like already unconscious. So they get hit even more, which, you know, like, is... they're probably dead anyway. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oops. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, and meanwhile, 
that you know we're having a couple rounds of combat but meanwhile orum and the rest of the party can now are close enough to see something's going on i think orm even like sees emoth or something skittering on the ceiling so he like you know makes a sprint to try to get there and the rest of the party rolls initiative um and we're told basically that these two guards like aren't gonna make it and matt's just like diving the dagger deep saying that like yeah his name was rough russ his birthday was tomorrow you know he's about to get a promotion yeah <laughs> doesn't fcg say like he sees like a picture on the wall that says employee of the month yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah. so that chetney decides to jump over one of the shade creepers and get to the other guard so not russ um and he takes that green potion that they bought from marwa and kind of dumps it down um the guard's throat and chetney's like okay quick listen like this a lot's going on here but we're on your team so like don't freak out and then he just transforms into a werewolf like right in front of this guy <laughs> and um <laughs> the, the fight continues and a, just a couple interesting things um was one we learn which i'm sure you know D, D people already knew this but i learned that chetney only takes half damage um from non-magical or non-silvered right. weapons which i thought was interesting yeah and um imogen uses uh Fae step, which we're told is from her Fae touched feet, so she picked right. that up. And um, fight continues. Emoth eventually starts to look rough, so she attempts to flee, and she's screaming, "She'll help me! She'll help me!" And so she runs into the next room, and Chetney chases her, and she's moving a bed aside to try to go down one of these, you know, like shade creeper tunnels. And so the rest of party is trying to catch up as well. Um, However, Emoth is able to use, uh, I think Matt called it a slippery dash, which is um, like something she has, which is able to let her get away without taking attacks of opportunity. So she is able to escape down this dark hole. And <clears throat> so at this point, combat's kind of over and the party's kind of reconvening. Um, they go and talk to that guard that Chetney gave the potion to, and we find out his name is Do Not, and he's, <laughs> which, you know, of course they gave Matt a hard time for. Yeah, I think SG was like, Do Not? <laughs> and then Matt later's like, yeah, he's the guard you made fun of, you know? Yeah, he's like, I hate you guys. <laughs> and then, I, then the other guard, Russ, is dead, and they're like, no, like, we killed the guard that we made up. <laughs> it's too good. Anyway. So... So do not is like they basically fill him in on what's going on that, you know, they came to help. And he's like, well, who, who are you guys? Who are you here with? And they say that they don't want to, like, give it away necessarily. So I forget who it was, but somebody just says, Imogen. oh, we're here for the deceased Bertrand Bell. Like, that's who we're representing. And right. um, not in this exact moment, but a little bit later, uh, Imogen finally does introduce them as Bell's Hells. So we potentially finally have a group name. Um but do not tells them that this was uh, Headmaster Grease Alacritos's room um, that all this was going down in. Uh, and also, sorry, meanwhile, Orum has decided to tie a rope and kind of go down this hole to see if he can, like, see what's going on down there. So that's kind of happening while they're all talking. Uh, but meanwhile, outside, they hear, or Dorian hears, Cyrus's voice, his brother. And he has been captured by the Green Seekers and is basically being taken in. Um so Dorian's like, oh God, I got to help my brother. And so he and I think Laudna kind of rush out immediately while Orum kind of comes back up from this hole and quickly the rest of the party follows as well. Um, so outside, uh, Cyrus is being drugged through the ballroom, you know, in handcuffs taken by these green seekers and Gavis runs up and, you know, announces that, oh, look, you know, the magnificent green seekers have caught this burglar that was stealing things in the back chambers. Like, you know, we carry on now, nothing to see here. Um, Dorian's freaking out. He's like, Lana, do something. Like, we got to do something. So she casts darkness up at the top of this ballroom. And so, like, the chandeliers start getting, like, enveloped in this darkness. But almost immediately, someone else dispels it. And so Dorian's like, okay, like, sorry, guys. And he takes a smoke grenade out of his bag and just chunks it towards his brother. So that starts going off. And he basically takes advantage of the chaos, runs straight into it. Uh, and runs straight into one of the green seekers that has his brother. And so he immediately just casts Charm Person on this guard and is successful. And at that same time, the other green seeker gets taken out by Estros and the smoke, who has like come in to help him out and basically like levels them. And so then Dorian makes a nat 20 persuasion roll to be like, hey, like give me the prisoner, like 
I'll take them from here. And since it was a nat 20 and they're charmed, he's successful. So he gets Cyrus and Estros like hits the other guard again to make sure that they're not, you know, causing any issues. And so then Dorian casts invisibility on Cyrus and amongst all this confusion is able to walk out with his brother in tow. And uh, meanwhile, Ladna has like gotten on all fours and cast, uh, I think, Dread Presence or whatever it's called. And is just basically causing another huge distraction to try to help him get out. Um, so all the guards seeing Laudna do this think she's the one that's, you know, causing all this commotion. So they start running up to her. Um, but do not at this time runs out of the back room and is like, wait, wait, wait. You know, she just helped me. She's not the one that's doing this. Like, they're the good guys. And uh, the guards are like, okay, but they're definitely like taking notes yeah. of the whole party. <laughs> so they do let the party leave, but they're definitely on high alert about it. So everyone makes it back to the carriages, makes it back to Estros's house, and they basically talk over the events of the night. And Cyrus reveals that he was just there trying to make money to pay off his bounty. Um, the Corsairs had business with Lady Emoth in the past, and she needed somebody for this. And they they thought Cyrus was perfect since he you know comes from a noble background and had to play a noble in this you know job they were doing. Mm-hmm. So they thought you know Cyrus would be perfect. And uh, he says their goal was just to embarrass some of the Mahan houses. And he said that Lady Emoth told him she had a great treasure hidden and that after they successfully did this job, she would split it with him. And uh, he also revealed that the lady she was working with was apparently her mother. Um, If you recall, she was uh, shouting like, she'll help me, she'll help me during the uh, fight. And he said, yeah, she she was always talking about her mother and like going to see her mother apparently. Um, the green seekers we find out were after him because they were investigating the attack on the moon tower. So they actually had mistaken Cyrus for Dorian and were, that's why they were there. Um, so they're unpacking all of this and basically everyone's like, yeah, Cyrus, you got to get out of here. And Estros offers him the use of his airship. He's like, it's flying out tomorrow morning. Like we can sneak you on there and just get you out of Drusar. And he's like, but it's gotta be like tonight before daybreak. And he also notes that, hey, Dorian, this offer extends to you because, you know, you and your brother look so much alike. There's a lot of heat out for somebody that looks like you. So, like, you're in just as much danger as he is, essentially. So, reluctantly, they they all kind of agree that, yeah, that does make the most sense. So, Dorian and Cyrus are going to get smuggled on the airship and, and head out of town. And the rest of the session is basically the party saying goodbye to Dorian and... um. He, he does retrieve the sending stone from his brother Cyrus and gives it to Orem so that they have a way to communicate to each other. And uh, Fern also gives Dorian a, a necklace with the mimic tooth on it to remember them by. And it's just, you know, a lot of a lot of in your feels moments. Dorian says, you know, he finished the song he crafted for Bertrand, but he's not going to play it. He'll play it for them the next time they meet. Um, so they finish saying their goodbyes and head to the ship or sorry, head to the carriage, which is going to take them to the ship. And the last little detail we get is, uh, Dorian apparently like hangs the boat Chetney made for him, like out the carriage window and a little boy runs up and snatches it. (laughs) And, (laughs) and that's where the session ends. Yeah. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. I know, man. It was rough. So, uh, that is our recap of episode 14. If you want to check out the full video down in the comments below. Um, otherwise, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, that's a great place to start, I guess, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess we we always do our, what'd you think of the episodes? We can do that first. Yeah. Awesome. I thought, um, Robbie, his last like big series of events, um, it was very tense. I mean, it looked like there was no way for him to help his brother without screwing himself over. Um, him going into the smoke, having the smoke grenade, I think from EXU, I think is where he got it from. I was wondering if that was the case because I didn't remember him picking one up. Yeah, I think it's from EXU. I think he even said this is my last like thing that I picked up from EXU. Um, but yeah, I, I, you could just feel the tension and then the nat 20 roll on um, getting his brother out of there. Yeah. I mean, everyone just erupted and like freaked out over it. I mean, that was an awesome moment. And uh, yeah, the goodbye was just, my gosh, man, it just, I was so bummed. Yeah. Um, he is absolutely one of my favorites. I mean, they all are, <laughs> they're all awesome. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
Oh man, which I just can't imagine going forward without him. I know, I know. Uh, I feel the same. Like, let's just dive into that. But of course, same here. Love the episode. Got me in my feels at the end. And I think just since you mentioned it, that Nat twenty didn't he roll? like really well and they were like dude you have advantage you have advantage and yeah. he was like i already rolled really well and then he's like okay yeah, yeah, yeah. and he rolled the net 20 so that was crazy yeah, yeah yeah it was an awesome moment um but yeah love the episode um but yeah i let's I, let's just talk about the dorian thing i guess right now because ah oh, same man like it's we we've we've talked about this a little bit in past episodes can when, when we were speculating on if he was permanent or right. not um now we have our answer clearly but it, it is just weird. Like, it's going to be weird without him since he's literally been there for every episode, you know? So I'm, I'm well, sad too. Yeah, there's two things. For my wife who started watching during EXU, she's never not known a table without yeah. Dorian Storm. Yeah. So I think it's really weird for her. It's weird for me because I didn't really watch seriously before EXU either. Right. Um, but then on the flip side of that, he just had such a natural... Um, place at the table mm -hmm. you know like just naturally fit so good yep. just so clever fun <laughs> smart like knew like what to do and um you know i'm just i'm just i'm just trying to imagine it, it for me it would be like one of the main cast people leaving yeah um just because his presence <laughs> is just ubiquitous with with you know the main right cr team right and so um you know we knew it was coming but i just i just it just feels wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm sure like i feel that way too but especially people that are starting with campaign three that like have never experienced critical role he's actually like more of a main cast member than others because of he was in exu you know so like right most attached to him in ways um but yeah i i mean not that the details are important and not that we'll ever really know, but I just, I assume it's not because anyone wanted it that way. I'm assuming he had other, you know, job obligations or, you know, this, that, and the other, but they did, they did leave it open for him to, to come back. And, you know, I think he will now. I don't know if like, maybe it's just always going to be little guest spots here and there, as opposed to, you know, this, this 14 episode streak that we've had so far, but you know, I don't think we've seen the last of him, hopefully, but it's definitely like I was getting really sad and it, it's not going to be the same. I think it'll it'll still be good. It'll just be, you know, well, it'll be a new normal kind of developing now. going to suck. <laughs> well, but, it, yeah, yeah, go ahead. It does. It does open the table. It gives a little bit more room for other guest characters to come in. Yeah. Um, you know, there's I think that's a great part of the CR table is, you know, having those guest spots of people who are just really great fits. It gives them the opportunity to sort of beta test um, guests for like a future EXU um, uh, season, if you will. Mm -hmm. We know Robbie's coming back for a two-parter EXU um, yeah. thing. Don't really have any information on that. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I just want him back to the table. Um, I think what, for me, what feels bad is the implication I got was while he may return, um, it, it's in the distance at best, um, because he was traveling back to Iman and then we, for those of you who maybe you didn't watch EXU, the, the very quick and dirty of it is in Iman, they were working the Dorian and the EXU crew were working with these this thieves guild basically, and they double crossed them. And in double crossing them, they had to get out of Iman. Um, so that's what he means when he says, "Oh, I really can't go back to Iman." <laughs> yeah. Um. So I, I can't remember where he said he was going to go instead, but I just kind of envisioned like a random town with in a random tavern, you know, being a bard, I guess. And so physically, he's. I mean, they, imagine to have him just like. You know, I'm going to go like down to the Hellcatch Valley. I'll catch up with you guys later. It was like, mm. you're going to an entirely different continent to a right. random city. Um, that's for me is what felt really bad because it kind of crushed my dreams of, you know, maybe he'll be back in like 20 episodes or I don't know. But I mean, I think he'll be back, but I do agree that it, it's it's probably going to be a while. Right. Um, but, you know, I do. So we have the EXU thing, which I was 
that did make me happy because I was really sad because I was like, who knows when we'll see him again. But then we immediately got that, you know, like MCU Thanos will return moment with <laughs> Dorian Storm right. will return. So, I mean, that uh, not that I mean, I don't know if this is a, an appropriate place to talk about EXU speculation or not, but um, that made me excited and it, it gave me a direction for where his story is going to go. Uh, you know, he, I don't like you mentioned, like he might just be in a tavern doing bard stuff but i think he's going to meet up with dariax and um opal and something's going to happen there and it'll be interesting to see if it's related to the crown if it's related to the oh no plateau or what but they i think i think they said it would be two episodes so i don't know if that means you and i talked about this i don't know if that Mm -hmm. means two sessions or what but i think we'll get something there and then what'll be interesting is where that leaves us like yeah where will dorian be at that point and then that might give us a better idea of when we might see him again it's a big departure from the was it eight episodes or nine episodes uh eight it's a big departure i mean um (laughs) for how much happened in exu i mean a lot happened (laughs) yeah but to wind that down to two episodes i'm really curious to see like how they do progress like the overarching uh exandria story um, it's going to feel a little weird though. Cause I mean, Fern and Orem obviously can't be there. Right. I did wonder if it was good. They were going to kind of reunite Orem, uh, excuse me, Opal and Dariax. Um, or if it's going to be an entirely new crew and Dorian is like the single connector. Um, that, that is true. That, that could be the way they go. Cause I, I kind of see EXU as like seasonal stories, you know, these, these events happening all over, yeah, uh, not just Taldore, but just all over Exandria, and um, maybe some subtle themes that connect them. Um, I kind of think of like you know the Walking Dead, uh, Telltale Games, and then they had uh, they did like another one that was like other stuff happening elsewhere. I think actually yeah. the Walking Dead series did this too with like a spinoff series. Um, that's kind of what yeah. I think might happen, but um, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to any news on it. Hopefully soon. Yeah, and yeah, that's a good point. I, I definitely think EXU on the whole is probably going to be like more of an anthology like that, where the the, that's the, word, the yeah. seasons aren't necessarily connected. But at the very least, we know Dorian's going to be in it, so I think it's at least tangentially connected. But yeah, we might not see um, Opal and Dariax. I mean, it could just be like Cyrus and Dorian's adventures of trying to get back to the Silken Squall or just evade this heat. Um. But like you mentioned, we're not going to have Opal and, or sorry, uh, Fern and Orem. So I'm wondering if there's going to be like two brand new faces, like maybe played by two brand new guests or something, <laughs> or even if maybe Cyrus would have someone besides Matt playing him, if he's going right. to be like a focal part of it. Or maybe there'll be like another, um, like Seder, like I'm Hern, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sister to Fern. Dark I'm, Fern. I'm Dorum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Orem's brother. <laughs> it's like the same. It's like the same actors. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But um, yeah. Or, you know what though? We we're assuming this is like what's next for Dorian. It could be. Um, we know there was like a nine month gap between the end of EXU. I mean, it could True. be could be another time out of up. yeah, it could be out of order. Like this happened in the nine month gap, and so we do have Fern and Orem and um, I think that might be a little strange for people who didn't like really stay on top of each episode to be like, wait, so now what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, but could do something like that too, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, I, I don't want to open this whole can of worms, but for if you, if for those of you that have been following Blake and I, you know, we kind of, we, we enjoyed EXU, but we had our right. criticisms of it for sure. Right. Um, but that being said, like, I'm really excited to see this mainly because I want more Robbie Damon into my life, but, uh, yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited for whenever that does come out. Um, just to, to get those answers, but also just to see more of our boy doing yeah. storm. Yeah. I'll just say, uh, I know he doesn't watch this, but, uh, Robbie Damon, you are amazing. And I'm going to deeply miss you on the show. Me too. That's all I got to say about that. We love you, Robbie. We do. We love you, man. Okay. <laughs> Isn't it weird how like we're only 14 episodes in, but it feels like so much of this campaign has happened. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. really kind of blows my mind for like the scope, like thinking we might get 150 episodes. You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. crazy to me. Which 
so let's i know we've had a lot of five hour episodes too which i mean that's including the break that's including the intro reel and the outro reel so a, a five hour episode is probably closer to four but anyway let's just i was trying we've had 14 let's just say they're three hours each even though they're probably it's probably more than that right so what is that that 42 hours so that's like mm -hmm. 42 episodes which is like four seasons of like an hour-long show um right so i mean you know even though there's only been 14 it definitely a lot has happened it feels like yeah um but yeah i don't i don't know why i was waxing poetic on that but just <laughs> i i agree yeah um what else uh, do you want to talk about from this episode? Well, um, I, I I know we kind of like put the Dorian thing to bed, but I did just have, I did want to talk sure, to you about yeah. something else that I just remembered is that he did have that natural 20 really clever moment of getting Cyrus out. Right. I'm wondering what the other potential exits for him were. Cause I don't think that, I don't think that Matt, I mean, Matt didn't know he was going to try that or roll a natural 20. Like, I think that easily could have blown up in their faces and Dorian too gets arrested, you know? So just the, the curiosity in me is wondering like, how are they going to write him off the show if things didn't go their way tonight? You know, like maybe they just both get hauled off to prison and, or, you know, something. And <laughs> that was Dorian's exit, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what would have happened. Cause you could definitely sense the, like this plan is hanging on by a thread sensation of like you know laudna tries the darkness spell and you know matt just has the random npc just like you know poof yeah um it felt like there weren't really any options and it felt like he didn't have any time either and dorian was like i i sorry guys i just i have to it's our brother um so yeah i i was amazed by how they got through that um because it didn't seem like there were was any other alternative yeah me too and i mean we know the whole so if we're gonna if, if we take the bertrand situation where like his death was essentially planned and it was all this orchestrated moment i think there's elements of that here but i don't think it was the same in that like i don't think matt and robbie talked about this smoke grenade thing you know so i think that matt probably definitely had a few things in mind for where this this needed to end um and I, I'm just repeating myself now, but I'm just very curious to know what those other options were. Uh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine if the goodbye, like we didn't get the heartfelt moment of goodbye with the, the cast having the time to like say goodbye to Dorian and it was just that like the green cloaks took him away? Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking of like all things considered, uh, this is either like the best party ever or it's like, man, we really got to get better at planning these things. A lot of stuff went down. <laughs> Just, you know, they won't. So don't get that in your head. It's it's going to always be that way. It was so much that happened and <laughs> went wrong. And I mean, they barely made it through a handful of situations. Yeah. In the ring in particular, um, you know, it, it just was. Yeah. Nothing was really well executed, but hey, they <laughs> they they did it. So <laughs> unfortunately, not any closer to finding out any identities, which I think someone made the point in this episode, like. Oh yeah, the reason we all came here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. If anything, but, they just like got more heat put on them. You know, I was a bit confused parsing out um, Cyrus's placement during the Emoth encounter because we know that Cyrus yeah. went to the bathroom. We know that Chetney went back. Lady Emoth had locked the door, and then. Maybe am I making this up? I thought when he went back the second time, the lock had been broken and he could hear a commotion inside, which I assume meant Cyrus and Lady Emoth were talking. But considering that he was nowhere to be found in the room, wasn't involved there, obviously he's right. not casually around shade creepers. Um, yeah, because when he was getting drug out, he was like, I I'm with Lady Emoth. So, like, he definitely didn't know anything that was. Right, right. And so I'm just, I'm thinking, why was the door lock broken? Um, I, that, that thing was confusing to me. And then where was Cyrus during this whole thing? Yeah, I was wondering that too. Um, now I don't, I don't remember the, I remember the lock thing that you're saying, but I don't remember the details enough to know if what I'm about to say makes sense or not. But is it possible that the lock was broken because Lady Emoth broke it because that wasn't her room. We find out that it was Grease's room. 
So maybe she broke the lock in order to get in there originally? Yeah, it's possible. It may be that I'm just combining details, too, because I thought the first time Chetney goes in, she shuts the door and locks it, and then the lock's broken later. Maybe Matt said she just shuts the door, or maybe he just misspoke. It, it feels like this is like a section where like some details were a little flubbed mm -hmm. because it like parsing it out, you're just like, okay, wait, that doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. And then again, wh where did Cyrus go after he went to the bathroom? Yeah, that's like, that's confusing. Yeah. So I was wondering this too. My best guess is that you know he was there to embarrass Mahan houses by stealing stuff or whatever. So maybe he was off in another room stealing stuff while Lady Emoth was going full Shade Creeper because it seems like he didn't know that about her, you know? Yeah, it seems, I would assume maybe none of the Corsairs knew that about her. Yeah. Um, but it's clear that her and Duggar have some common connection. Uh, but yeah, maybe L Lady Emoth was like, hey, thanks for being here, buddy. Hey, go down there to that yeah, room. Yeah, like you and... go do that one. Yeah, yeah. Which... You know, they're both fully capable on their own of robbing a room. Why bring in the shade creepers and all that stuff? Yeah. Like, what, that's weird too. Yeah. What what was she doing? What like it yeah. You know, like, so she can rifle through a drawer, you know? So like and the, the hole was tunneled to that room. So right. there's something a lot and I don't know maybe if we're ever gonna get any more information there, but it, those details are a bit fuzzy and weird. Yeah, and we don't know if the, as Cyrus claimed, it was to embarrass Mahan houses, so we don't know if that was the cover story, or that's what that's what Armand kind of probably wants, because we know he's pulling all these strings, but whatever Lady Emoth was doing, was that also to embarrass Grease Alacritos, or was were they framing him for something? Which you know, isn't he the person representing Ajit Dial? He was with him. I don't. I don't remember. Okay, yeah, he was the, plus one. The depth them, of right? their relationship, but yeah, he yeah, was. Okay. Uh, he's like the headmaster of like ancient histories of some school or something. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering if there's any connection there. Like why? Uh, yeah. Again, like I, were they just stealing from him? Because again, why would you need the shade creepers and stuff to do that? Or were they like, I don't know. And wasn't Lady Emoth there with Armand as well? Yeah, yeah. She came in with him. Okay, yeah. So there's a lot happening here that I, I'm wondering if just details got messed up and it was just oversight or just things were misspoken, I guess. Or if this is just a really clunky, cloudy set of details that in a few episodes we're going to be like, oh, okay, that's what was happening. So. Yeah, I think the door lock stuff might have been just Matt flubbing but i think everything else is intentional we just don't have the full picture yeah, okay. yet yeah um but yeah i mean i i loved grease just in the little like the introvert conversation he had with estros yeah. i didn't i didn't imagine it to be too much deeper than that other than like world building of having this you know character but now i think obviously there's more there so i'm, I'm really intrigued by the fact that what what possible role not that he's playing a role but why he's involved yeah. at all Right. Yeah. And Lady Emoth and her mama. Yeah. We think this is my the way I took it was I don't think Cyrus ever met her mother. Um so the implication I got was some sort of like and I don't even know the implication I got was that maybe Lady Emoth is there with Armand in some connected way, but that Possibly like the whole Duggar goo thing is like maybe something separate entirely. I, I don't know if I see Armand as being like this common thing orchestrating everything. I mean, that could be the case. But um, the thing I was wondering for her mother was some kind of goo creature, you know, who's mm. like, you know, gifted Lady Emoth and Duggar with the goo. Yeah. And, um, you know, she affectionately refers to her as her mother but is really like you Ooh. know crazy crazy monster um, yeah i mean kind I, of what i got from that but i mean i could see that it makes sense i mean when she was like scared of dying she was like trying to like she'll help me you know that feels more than just like oh i want my mom it feels like this is a powerful entity that could assist me type of thing so i i like yeah. that that maybe it is not her mom but her 
mother, you know, I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't get the impression that Cyrus ever met her either. So yeah, I think that could check out. I, yeah, I just, I'm very interested to know what Armand is connected to and what is potentially like another subplot that's happening kind of behind the scenes. Cause I guess we really don't know who we don't really have any answers for what Duggar was doing yet either. Suit presumably they're connected though, since these like they have right. the same ailment or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and control over the shade creepers too. Yeah. So which which we do know the Nightmare King is experimenting on people and creatures. So perhaps he's the one that turned them into whatever they are. Now that doesn't really check out for, I don't think they would refer to him as mother, but right. He's, he, I feel like he's the only player that this even kind of makes sense for as far as yeah, maybe you know, experimenting. Yeah. I, I wonder if the party regrets when she was trying to crawl down the hole, like trying to finish her off rather than trying to, um, grapple her. Um, cause Chetney had an opportunity. He did um, inflict wounds uh, and hit her really hard, but didn't finish her. And yeah. then someone else, I think, attacked her too instead of trying to, you know, restrain her. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I hope we get some, some more answers on this. And maybe the, if Armand is connected to it, you know, maybe that ring will lead to something. What was your take on, because uh, this all happened in the combat or at the end of it, um, Bell's Hells, what do you think? Yeah, I I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, I've just been wanting to have something, you know? Uh, they kept joking about, like, we just need a little more time, but <laughs> it's been, like, months. Um, yeah, I got the implication that, um, that Imogen uh, was just like, you know, okay, this is what we are, you know, which you kind of needed someone to sort of do that because mm-hmm. they had sort of you know, pitter pattered around a name for so long. So, um, but even after she said it, uh, or later, I think Oral was like, are, are we, are we yeah. in the bells? Hells? Um, so I don't know if he was sold on it, but, um, and then I saw some random comments that were like, you know, this is the best name that they could come up with. And I'm like, okay, they were called the mighty nine on the, you know, N I E N, which, you know, a lot of the stuff just fits after a while but yeah yeah that's... i think it's maybe a little bit too much pressure to have like this amazing name yeah um so i yeah, think bells, I think bells is fine but yeah i think that's what it was is the, they had the first campaign one they already had the name you know campaign two it was kind of an accident and then so i think there was a lot of pressure and that's why they couldn't commit um i think that uh there's definitely laura didn't just make that on the spot like i'm sure they've all been talking about this in like group chats for months and that must have been one that they were like yeah maybe like a final two or something they were trying to pick between so i think she just pulled the trigger wasn't it Um, also mentioned in a previous episode like didn't they see something like that like maybe in the same episode they did like the focus focus comma group (laughs) yeah probably i'm sure i think think it came up in some form and they were like okay yeah that's interesting i think because even when when Bertrand first died, I know they were like tossing around ways to like honor him when they were trying to think of stuff. So I'm sure that one's been percolating for a while, but yeah, I mean, it's not like I heard it and was like, that is the greatest thing ever. But like you said, I think it's just like 50 episodes from now when that's who they are and that's who they've been, it'll feel natural. And you know, just like mighty nine, the first time we heard it was like, what? Yeah. Well, I mean, cause it's the mighty. No, (laughs) it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, the mighty nine, it, it, it does make sense now, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't really have much of an emotional attachment to like, it has to be this or that. Um, right. I'm more, I'd just be more happy if there was a name that they were sticking to at this point. So. Yeah, me too. So that's, I was just glad to finally have one. Yeah. Um, but sorry, I just lost my notes. Um, other things I wanted to mention. Um, one, I just loved the like bromance kind of that was building between uh, Ashton and Ratanish that they just were like yeah. loving it. And like, I kind of didn't see that coming. Like, I thought that uh, regardless of who won after the duel, like, there was going to be some stuff to deal with. Um, and so I just, I liked that. And um, I thought it was really interesting how. You know, he basically was like, hey, like, I know you were the one that attacked the moon tower, but he's like, but I'm not going to like, I don't, 
Like, I don't give a shit about, you know, the people that hired me or whatever. So, like, I'll keep that safe or whatever. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was really cool. And I'm interested to see if maybe the relationship between the Paragon's Call and, and the party, how that develops. Because, I mean, seemingly the Paragon's Call is an entity that's going to be around and maybe... Yeah. Like, they're going to have some more interactions with. So, yeah, I should see if that relationship <laughs> makes any changes, you know, based on... Them yeah, each other. And I did get the implication that maybe they this could be like a a boss type figure later on. Um, considering like their combat, I mean he he was pretty sturdy against Ashton. Yeah. Um, but also we did get. I think I had thrown out like the theory maybe they were the rebranded Immortals. I did it again, Immortal <laughs> Ivory Syndicate. Um, I played too much Path of Exile, man. So <laughs> Immortal Syndicate stuck in my head. Um. We did get confirmation, though, that probably not the case, because I think the name we were given, they were called like the Hellcatch something. I can't remember what. But so they were trying to rebrand from that. Um, but it does feel like it's whatever Ladna or whoever said it in a previous episode that that there's sort of a power play of these guys getting brought in to take over um, from the Wardens. And so, um, yeah, we, we, I think you may be right. We may be seeing a lot more of him for them in the near future. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think they have a, clearly they don't have a good enough relationship where they're just like best buds and never going to butt heads. But I just think it's an right. interesting little dynamic now that yeah, they, at least he respects Ashton, which will be interesting. Right. You know, there was a comment we had Ashton, um, you know, have some really excited moments where he was like, that was fun. That was awesome. And um, then we saw later in the episode him being a lot more reserved and um passive and um very cautious yeah and i'm bringing this up because to me this this i just read this as talison just being like you know i don't want to die yeah um, yeah because he obviously didn't have a chance to take a rest after uh getting knocked unconscious but i did see a comment i don't know if it was on youtube or reddit but someone said that if you pay attention i want to throw this theory out to you and see what you think about it but someone said, if you watch Ashton carefully, you'll notice some very high highs, some very low lows, and um, just very large gaps in how his personality acts. And the person was basically saying that Talison is trying to act out um, like traumatic brain injury, which can cause like a flurry of different emotions. We know that Ashton, his brain was basically a big chunk mm. of it was blown out. Um I like the theory from like the concept, but it feels a bit of a reach to me. What's your take on that? I mean, that's really interesting. Uh, I hadn't like thought that, but I mean, and I don't know if, I don't know if I'm at a point where I'm saying like, yeah, I think that's what's happening, but I think that's yeah. possible. Like I wouldn't put it past Talison or anyone to kind of dig that deep and, and do something like that. Like they've done, things on that level with their characters before so i think it's interesting i i mean if it, if that turned out to be true i'd be like wow that's awesome um wow we said it here on the podcast <laughs> yeah first. we were the ones that came up with it <laughs> yeah um yeah. but yeah i mean a little early for sure sorry what'd you say my it does feel early for sure yeah yeah so i mean for my money i think he's just being ashton and i don't know if there's necessarily that level of intention behind the mood differences um right but i think that would be really cool if there was um yeah. but yeah yeah for me i think it was <laughs> he kind of got a reality check of almost dying and so that kind of tempered him down a little bit for the rest of the episode yeah yeah all right so happening next i think this is a good time for the party to do the heist and make their way to the heart more um yeah. it feels like there's a lot of heat around them um i don't know what do you think i think yeah i think that's the natural progression it kind of sucks that they're losing their most charismatic deceptive member of the party right. but uh yeah i mean i feel like that has to be what's next um he even not that this has any relevance at all but gianna was at the party right i think ashton yep. mentioned seeing her yep. so um it'll be interesting I'm interested to see that interaction because they clearly have to go speak to her to like get the official details and everything. So I'm, I'm 
I want to hear what she has to say about the fact that he got into that duel and all the chaos because you know she yeah. she seems like somebody that's in the know. So I think she'll I think they'll just be an interesting discussion. Definitely there. seems to relish in the gossip. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, but I definitely think the heist is next. I'm really interested because we the heist and the Loomis twins are this like the same yeah place basically so i think there's a lot of really juicy potential in in heading that way and i want to find more about out about this you know celestial solstice and if the loomis twins were maybe having that dream too or or what was going on the only weird thing is it has felt like the last several episodes and like i said this before already it feels like more has happened than the numerical 14 episodes Mm -hmm. but um it feels like we were we're heading to like a pivotal climactic moment in the Jassar story. So while I feel like it makes sense for them to go to the Hartmore right now, it also feels like a bit of a weird drawback from a lot of these details popping up, which, you know, could just be a it's a lot slower burn than maybe um uh Matt maybe we we've thought Matt was doing, but um, that's the only thing I'm thinking about. I I don't know. What's your take? Yeah. Well, they really don't have any leads at this point though. I mean, they have the Armand's ring, so that is something, but we don't really know how that's going to play out. Like, you know, it might be two weeks before he goes and meets with the nightmare King and they are able to find anything out there. Um, But other than that, I mean, what else do they really have in Drusar right now? Right. Yeah, you're right. So, I think it, I think it would be really interesting if, like, we, I mean, we don't know exactly how long they're going to be gone if they do leave, nor do we know if they're going to come right back. Like, this could lead to something else that takes them even further away. Uh, but I think it'd be interesting if, like, something happened while they were gone, like news reached them of, like, yeah, I, something happening in Drusar. I wonder if they'd come back and the Paragon's Call has taken over or something. Like, that's kind yeah, of what yeah. I would expect. Um, or the broomstone have lifted the five spires into the, <laughs> into the sky. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just curious to see where does it go for here for Lord Esteros too. Um, yeah. I'm worried for him still. Me too. Me too. And so I'm just, yeah, I'm wondering what happens from here for him, man, especially with the party. I mean, I'm sure Esteros has other irons in the fire as far as like people that could, help him out right. but the party gone especially yeah. hopefully he doesn't get yeah attacked yeah so still could be a vampire i mean could be the ball happened at night he wasn't out in the daylight or anything true it's true <clears throat> it could be. that's right <laughs> uh what else from this episode anything else um I'm trying to think i don't nothing really i don't think we talked about the emoth dorian rattanish I think I think we covered most of everything I wanted to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think so for me too. Um you know, I'm bummed to wait a couple of weeks. Um and for those of you guys who are waiting, that's why we got more content to fill your D and D hole. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um <laughs> uh, but but yeah, so we, we have what do we have coming? We got Legend of Vox Machina, final three episodes that Blake and I yeah. are going to talk about. Uh, I got my Easter egg videos, hopefully coming out soon. Yep. We got the theory video. Right. Anything else? Which Witcher 2? Yeah, The Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> we probably need to do like a follow-up to um, our D&D campaign. Oh, yeah. Well. We're, we're playing tonight, so we're excited about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just... it, it feels like forever. For if you guys don't know what we're talking about, Blake and I when we're in a D and D campaign together, both as players, and uh, before session one, he and I made a little pixelless video connecting our characters' backstories because our characters are gonna know each other. Um, right. So we did that like a couple months ago, but we've only had two sessions. So like, <laughs> right? It's it's we're not like holding out on you. We just haven't played very much still, but we're playing in tonight. Typical, yeah, typical D and D fashion. We <laughs> we play yeah. in D and D, but. Not very often. So. And I mean, hopefully we're playing tonight. Who knows that there's still five hours for somebody to cancel. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Well, uh, thumbnail. Um, oh, God, I had an idea and I list just left me. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. It was just like being sad. 
Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Robbie. I was expecting, like... That's good. <laughs> You're expecting a lot more there, huh? Yeah. Uh, this... <laughs> this idea. Be sad. Just to be sad. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. That, that's why I agree. It's got fluid. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do it. All right, we did nice. it. All right, well, uh, stay tuned, guys, and uh, we'll catch you later. And uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at The Pixelists. Yep. So. All right, y'all. We'll see you next right. time. Bye. See ya. <laughs>